go. Yep, we're recording. Okay. So all good. Here, here yes, we go. How come we, we've lost you, Dan? I can't see you. Yeah, I, I put my camera off because you don't need to look at my ugly mug. No, I don't, but it just gives it a full. It just gives me an indication that we're, you know, we're a, uh, we're a, a full quorum. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, Sam, <laughs> Sam, you're you're talent, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate, I, get, no, I, got, All right. I got I got the drift, Leon. Let's move on. <laughs> good morning and welcome to Sport and Life with Sam Kekovich and Leon Wigard. Sam, good morning to you. Good morning, my friend. How are you? All right. Now, I've finished the week, of course. Uh, well, it's uh, early in the week now, but um, you, or not so early, it's getting late in the week, but uh, you, you, you are one of the speakers at the uh, funeral of the great, Albert Mansello, uh, only a day or two ago. And uh, congratulations, by the way. You did a great job. Must have been a hard role. Oh, they're never easy, Leon, you know, that eulogising someone in the funerals. Very sad occasion. But it was a sad day, particularly for the North Melbourne hierarchy or North Melbourne loyal throng. He was a great contributor both on and off the field in North Melbourne and, in fact, at league level. He was an administrator. And, of course, he just loved life to the full, took everyone with him and, of course, Special reference to the Van Sant Club, of which you're the chairman, Leon. He loved the Van Sant Club and all its members. Uh, so it was a lot. To, it was a terribly sad day because he led a very full life, and and uh, look, you could you could regale him for hours and hours. But I think we gave him a great send off under the circumstances. The family were uh, were very happy with it, and uh, all in all, at the end of the day, I think we ticked all the boxes. That was a very fluky, spooky thing that you rang me about uh, from the from uh, Melbourne Central Cemetery. Well, it was even spookier, Leon, if I may just uh, digress for a moment. I put the GPS on, you know, to get to the Melbourne Cemetery. Yeah. And I, I was a bit uneasy getting there in the first instance. But when I got there, I wasn't quite happy with Siri either. Siri said, you've reached your final destination. So, <laughs> <laughs> that was the gag in the sun today. I thought it was very big. But you're right. Uh, as the plot, we were, we were putting uh, Albert to rest. I accidentally lent on the, uh, on, the, on, the, on the grave next to it. And who should it be? Bert Wiegard, your father. And mother. Well, Mark, Mary. And, uh, and Mary, your mother. <laughs> it, was, it was quite eerie. I rang you straight away. I said, the Wigards are here as well. Yeah. I my, thought, yeah. My brother Keith is down the, about uh, 20 metres down the road from Fulmer yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, so that was a sad occasion. Uh, happy, happy life, though, and fantastic. Mon I, it's not called a montage. What, what is it when there's a whole range of uh, uh, photos? Uh, it is a montage, a montage. Yeah. Okay, well, that, that was yeah. wonderful. Yeah. It, mm. Gave us a, a, a flavour of his life. Well, it did. I think it depicted it very clearly, the full life that he did uh, enjoy, both, you know, from a social, from a corporate and from a uh, from a sporting perspective. You know, he did cover all, uh, all the broad gamut. There's no doubt about that and was very influential. But he had a very laconic, easy way about him, you know, he was he he really was ingratiating. He was warm, uh, and uh, he was super smart, as you know, Leon, with the ten-year rule, uh, which obviously still uh, you treat with a degree of uh, suspicion. I know that. Oh no, I, 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 I admire <laughs> North, North Melbourne 
were the only clubs that took advantage of it. I, I, frankly, I didn't quite understand it at the time. I, I wasn't that involved with footy at the time and I, I didn't quite understand what was going on. But um, the rest of the club were, were less standard. Uh, stranded. So uh, uh, good luck to North, and they uh, they they picked up Wade and Rantel and uh, uh, Barry Davis. Barry Davis, and uh, and uh, went on with the job. Now, but deep down, but also, also you rang me during the week, and you saw a line in the paper. Was there a line in the paper pertaining to North Melbourne? <laughs> <laughs> you might as well get it all up your chest. So if people really. I know you have a grudge, Leon. I know you have a grudge. <laughs> They're still on the league. And <laughs> I admire them for that. <laughs> Freedom of information, Leon. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, a guy that we've got, uh, and thank you for organising this fellow, because he's one of the big names in league football. And not uh, only that, but one of the greatest guys you'll ever come across. Oh, stop. Uh, all that stuff will see itself out. Come on, Sam. Um, uh, dominated two states, South Australia and Victoria. Uh, was president of his club, captain of his club, player, of course. Played almost 400 senior games in South Australia and Victoria. And, of course, I refer to the great Stephen Six Kernahan. Good morning, Six. Leon and Kek, how are you, boys? All right. Uh, you well, ever well, sick, well, do you ever get sick and tired of talking about the same stuff? Not many people ring and ask for an interview with me nowadays, so that, that's all good with me, by the way. But uh, good to see a couple of um, gentlemen like yourselves talking to us older blokes. It's good. Uh, hope you've both been well. It's been hard yards through lockdown, hasn't it? We've missed our, um, how do we call it, Sam, our, uh, the odd lunch here and there. Um, <laughs> your beers, and uh, we've really missed them, haven't we? But, well, yeah, we're looking forward to the opening day, mate, let me assure you. Correct, correct. It'd be like, a, uh, like millions of sponges filling up all at once. I can just see <laughs> it. That would be very dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, people are hankering for a few uh, restaurant bookings. Very soon. <laughs> now, now Sticks, Stick, the reason that uh, you would have done 100 interviews uh, a week in those old days was that that's an intriguing story and stuff that modern football people, young, young kids, wouldn't realise how Carlton were able to get the three of you, and we'll talk about who they are, from South Australia across to Carlton, uh, how they could build a, uh, a team at that time um, through legal, uh, I imagine it was legal, um, methods, but they were very, very successful and they had a hugely strong committee, that, yeah, led by John Elliott, um, and were, his predecessors too were, had a hand in this, and... Blokes like Dick Pratt and Ian Collins was there all the time and uh, Wes Loss. It's a, 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 the, the South Australian to, Carl, to, to Carlton story is a big one about footy. Yeah, yeah it was. It was. I mean, back in, we, we came in uh, at the end of 85 and talked about Craig Bradley, Peter Motley and myself. And I mean, Carlton had been on talking to me since I was about 15 in the under-16 schoolboys championship. Shana Sullivan was the first bloke to speak to me, so... Mots and uh, Mots had signed a form four with, uh, with Sydney, and Brattles had signed a form four with Essendon. I was always with Carlton. If we ever came over to Melbourne, I was going to play with Carlton. In 1985, we, my Glenelg team, which I played with in Adelaide, we finally won a flag and a random excuse. So I said to the boys, I'm going. And next minute, a month later, somehow, John Elliott, Wes Lost, and Ian Collins orchestrated 
that all three of us were coming to Carlton. And Johnny Platten, who was uh, on the agenda coming to Carlton, he said, well, those three are going there. He ended up going to Hawthorne. So it was going to be Johnny Platten there for a while. And somehow they've got Brattles and Mots on the way through who were going to Essendon or Sydney, both of them. So that was interesting. And uh, it was great because our two great mates of mine, we played a lot of state footy together. And we were 22 when we got here. So we played a lot of footy together and, junior state teams and uh, state, footy, state footy games, SO versus Vicolot. So it was great to come with two good friends. Now, Sticks, uh, quickly, uh, uh, the reason uh, Platten didn't go to Carlton, and I know very, very clearly, Carlton actually gave him a can. I know how you lure it across with brown paper bags and other other gifts. <laughs> but uh, all that aside, I don't, I don't want you to come clean on that just yet. But... Uh, Platt, I know Jack's to this day. Jack, you know, he always says about Platt, and we gave him a brand new car and he never returned it. He kept the car. The fact he kept the car. I know you two blokes have alluded to some, um, you know, unlawful behaviour. No. I remember getting $5,000 as a signing on a Form 4 when I was 16. I thought, shit, this, the world's. How good this? I don't have to go over there and they give me money. You so, could have bought uh, Hindley Street for 5000 Yeah, that's right. In those days. So, no good days, but all above board, boys, as you know, always. Now, Sticks, just quickly, uh, I guess it's no secret you come, you know, you, you, you turn out to be who you are because you did come from football royalty. I mean, to say your father, Harry, you know, was a champion player and a great administrator. Of course, your, your brother, David, also played for Glenelg and Carlton. So you had a fairly good bloodline, you know, to uh, to start you off. Yeah, Dad, Dad was a good, great player for Glenelg. He played 13 state games. He, he played in the uh, 63 side that beat uh, the Vicks on the MCG, the first time anyone had ever done it. So he, he was rucking against uh, Big Nick and Polly Farmer that day. So it was one of his proudest moments, I think. So they had that, that side really stuck together and they'd get, get together every year. So Dad was a good player. Then he ran the Glenelg Footy Club for many years and we, we won back-to-back premierships in 85 and 86. Um, and my brother Dave, yeah, I played an 85 flag. and uh, Then I left and he, he stayed, played another flag and he came over at the end of 87. So it was great playing with my brother. He played 53 games. He was a good, solid full-back, but he had a shitload of injuries. Um, had bad groin, did his knee. Um, but was, when he was playing, he was nearly the first bloke picked the full back. So it's great playing with your brother, having him over here, and he still lives in Melbourne today. Uh, six, the uh, delay in coming across to Victoria uh, was very much about Glenelg getting up and winning that flag before you were able, as you said, running out of excuses. But um, was that the only reason you uh, stayed there, just a loyalty to Glenelg and hoping that they might get some success before you left? Well, Leon, it's sort of, it's, I sort of meant it. I just, as I said, I was making excuses not to come. But it, if you remember those days, I mean, South Australia was very competitive against Victoria in those State of Origin games in the 80s. I think we won as many as as, as Victoria did. We you know, played out of six games. I think we shared three and three. And they some of the best games we've ever played in those games. So... We sort of we were happy being in South Australia in our league and watching the, the Victorian games on winners on a Sunday morning with a nice beer at the drip tray. But um, you know, finally it was time to come. I was 22. I've been playing uh, 136 games before I left, so 
I thought it was a good, uh, about time to go. And winning that flag in 85 was a good point of saying that you better go over and give it a shot. You're not sure whether you're going to come over and be, you know, not make it and be back in a year or so, but I'm still here um, about 30 odd years, nearly 40 years later. I don't know if you heard, Leon, but he did mention about 5,000 in a brown paper bag in 81. <laughs> the reason he didn't come here till 86, you multiply that by five more years, you'll find out why he now lives in Turak. Anyhow, uh, I think that was the only payment I received, Sam, before I got it. That's <laughs> now, now, Stephen, you arrived 86, and unbelievable. Uh, yeah, you were made captain in your second year, and you won the premiership, amazingly. Were you staggered by that? <laughs> well, our first year, we, we, we made the grand final. Hawthorne were, were super side and they got us in the granny, but there wasn't much in, in between both sides. And uh, the next year, we, you know, we had, you know, Mots and Brattles had really, um, you know, Mots sort of had an accident. He missed the 87 final, which is terrible. Yeah, I want to but, talk about um, Motley a bit later on. We'll talk about Mots a bit later. And, and you know, getting the flow, I mean, being made captain at the start of 87 was a bit embarrassing when you had, you know, Kenny Hunter and Wayne Johnston and um, these sorts of guys, Justin Madden, uh, Sellers, Martin McClure was my first captain in 86 and he finished at that. I didn't stab him in the back. I just was. He just wanted a young bloke to take him through. So I just, I was sort of 23, got the job. And, yeah, we had a good year and we, we turned the tails on Hawthorne in, in the in 87 final, so, you know, we won much in our two sides and it was one each after our first two years, so I was, I was a bit embarrassed getting a job. I didn't think I'd earn the right, but uh, after one year, Walls, we made the call and, yeah, it was yeah. good to get flag on the board. You mentioned hey, his you... name earlier. Yeah, sorry, Leo. Yeah, I was uh, just on that captaincy, uh, Six. Well, uh, without saying that too lightly, did you have any experience at all at leadership in your footy career up to the age of 22? I, I don't know if you guys have heard. Peter Carey was my captain at Glenelg throughout, my, you know, when I first started there. <laughs> and I, I ended up being vice-captain of him for the last few years. So he was a legend over there and I was vice-captain the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I wouldn't say I was a, a, a – I call that experience with just playing under, under a good, a great player and, uh, you know, when I came over, it wasn't. But, I mean – we could have had 10 guys, and all my time with Carlton, especially leading up to the 95, all that time, we had so many blokes we could have captained those sides. So, yeah, lucky to get it. Wasn't sure I deserved it, but uh, they wanted me to do it. I had no choice at the end. Don't understate yourself. Stop being humble. You're a great leader. Just let's get back to Peter Motley. You know, there are certain things in life you remember. And, you know, I remember yeah. when Elvis died. I remember when a number of things happened, when the war went down in the Brandenburg Wall in '89. And I always remember when Peter Motley had that horrific car crash and was left as a paraplegic or a quadriplegic. Yeah. It was just sent shockwaves through the footballing world because he was such a talent, wasn't he? he yeah, he was. He was a serious player. And, and I mean, Brattles played to his 39, Craig Bradley, and I think Motts was as fit as he was and bigger and jumped higher. And he, he was a serious player and he was ready to take a VFL field by storm then. And he had that the car accident that he was just sitting at the lights after a team meeting on a Thursday night. I'll never forget it. And we played yeah. Geelong and Wadley on Saturday. And I don't know how we, we won that day. We were all in shock because we didn't think he was going to make it at that time. But he came out of the coma after a couple of weeks and, um, you know, started a long road recovery. And he, he wasn't a quadriplegic, Sam. He, 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 he's had trouble the whole right-hand side. His, his arm is not used. He can walk. Oh, right, yeah. But a really bad, really bad right leg. 
he sort of limps around, but he can get around in Adelaide, which is great. He's got a really nice lady in Adelaide. They've had a young child, which is fantastic. So for those times, for him to get through that, if he wasn't so fit and strong, I don't think any man would have um, survived. And when Brattles and I went and saw him for the first time, it was a, it was a real shock to see him. You know, he's, he's had some horrific injuries from it. So, so to survive and, to, you know, still be going today, and we always catch up with him, Adelaide, when we go home and play golf with him. He still plays golf one-handed, um, and it's good to, you know, he's a great card man. And what a player he would have been, Sam. Oh. What, one of the nicest things I saw in my sporting career uh, was playing at Kew Golf Club one day with a couple of mates, and you, you and yeah. Brattles were, as you normally do, playing together, and you had um, uh, Motley with you, with one of the other Carlton boys, I forget now, uh, but the care and attention um, that you gave him and continue to give him was just outstanding, you know, and when you see this day and age of, you know, former footballers perhaps not always living up to their reputation, going off the rails a bit, it was just lovely to see that camaraderie continue after that accident. It was just a nice thing. Quite cheery, really. It was. Well, I used to see you at a few golf courses, especially at Leon in the old days, and it's always good. And Mott, oh, daily. He loves his golf, and he was a serious player, and he plays with his left arm, swings with his left arm, and he hits him pretty well. He's, um, he's getting a bit tired now. He's not as fit as he used to be, but he's a... Uh, God, who's, who's competitive, we give him a, three shots a hole and he's very competitive till the end. So we love playing with him and Brattles and him live together when the accident happened. So Brattles was as tight as the family member was with him. So we had our, um, we have a golf trip, a World Cup with, oh, you know, 12 to 15 XL card blokes every year. Whenever we go to South Australia, Mots always comes out for a round with us all. So it's great to keep in contact with him. He's a, he's a great man and um, he's leading a good life at Adelaide now. Sticks, you've presided your playing days over Carlton at its most probably most successful eras under a number of coaches. Obviously, Dave Park and predominantly in Walls, you had a great relationship. Uh, you had seven, kicked 740 goals, I think, you when you retired in 97 and you broke Harry Balance's long-standing oh, record. Oh, poor Harry, yeah. Yeah, yeah But uh, you must be, I know you're enormously proud of that, but you know, as I said, you presided over a very successful era. You know, Charlton were the powerhouse during your time. And you had some amazing people to represent the club, some real personalities, some real characters. Uh, how did you keep those together? What? How did you bond together? Because, you know, a lot of them would be very close to being on the FBI 10 most wanted. <laughs> well, you might be referring to, I had the... Uh... I don't know if it was the luck or the good luck or misfortune or what you'd call it, but I lived with Jimmy Buckley the first two years that I lived in Melbourne. Um, I came across, I went for two weeks to Jimmy's place and um, I lasted two years. So we had all sorts of people Ooh. coming. The Moran, the Moran brothers as young lads were came through a few times. I think, he went, I think there might be an SP bookie running out of there for a few weekends from one place to so they were great days, Jimmy. What, what a better way to get introduced to Melbourne than living with Jimmy Buckley for two years. Alex Markfield, all those guys, and Wayne Johnston, you know, both were watched on TV before. We never met them, but became great mates of mine. And, and you know, getting you know, getting a captain seat at that young age, they were they were so good to me. All those senior blokes and, and really great players. 
And great players too. Yeah, great players. All those blokes played in you know, 79, 81, 82, and some of them in 87. So, you know, serious players. And they were coming near the end when I got there, a few of them. But, uh, geez, they were great blokes to train and play with. And in those days, Kicker, of course, and Leon, we, we enjoyed ourselves. We played Saturday afternoon. I think we enjoyed ourselves Saturday night. <laughs> we kept on through Sunday, usually. They, they were the great times being with your mates after a game of footy. They, they were the best times I remember. What do you mean Sunday? We got home Wednesday morning. If we're late. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, I should say some. I think Wayne Johnson and Sellers were at uh, the Wednesday, the um, or billboards or whatever was open in those days. Tell me, what you mentioned earlier, uh, Kecker was is John Elliott, of course, and Wes Lofts, those sorts of guys who oh. was over the club. We won it one in eighty seven, him and another one for ninety five, but. They were um, great friends of everybody at the club, and, and, and while Jack polarised a few people, he was um, great to Carlton people and great to myself and the family. So it's so sad to see him go. Um, it was a sad day. Uh, yeah, it was quite really shocked me. I thought he'd live forever, but they don't. They don't. Two things I want to ask you, sticks about two relationships. When yep. David Reese Jones got across to Carlton, and it was well documented with. Uh, with Diesel, the events that transpired when they were opposing players. How yep. testy was the relationship and how difficult was it for you to to manage? Well, they are actually all right. I think they just said, look, let's move on. What happens on the field happens on the field. Of course, you know, uh, Reese broke Diesel's shoulder um, by kneeing him from behind and Diesel wouldn't go off the ground until he evened up and he chased him for five minutes and, and you'll see the footage of that great, beautifully landed right hooked to Bruce's Bruce has still got that slightly crooked jaw to this day because of it, but I think it sort of soured a bit when they both broke books, and I think Diesel Diesel's book at the end of his career, he had a chapter which was called Why I Broke Reese Jones's Jaw, and I don't yeah. think that may have soured a little bit the relationship for a while, but they are pretty good when we played together. They were, they were no worries then, so... But later on the sound, and I think that they've been a lot better now. That we, I did a function with them... Um, Oh, earlier this year when we had some time out, so they're going well now. I think people move on, and they're two pretty, very hard blokes, weren't they, on and off the field? They were indeed. Could I ask about another Wayne, uh, Wayne Harms? Now, um, now yep. I don't know how far over the brown boundary line he was, but I reckon <laughs> I don't. I don't reckon it'd be a give me pat. I reckon. That <laughs> <laughs> what was your? I'm just, it's way, way into the background there. But what was your take on that? Would you? Well, some people say he may have been in the first row, Leon, but um, <laughs> <laughs> he may have been slightly over. What, I mean, Pick Harms, what a legend. That bloke, when I got there, he could do anything. It was just unbelievable. I used to watch him on the TV and next minute you're playing with him and uh, whilst it was near the end, um, what, a, what a player he was. And that that moment sort of signifies him. But some of the some of the stuff he did on the field was like that. He did all the freaky stuff. And uh, that'll be well remembered, that one, won't it? But, yeah, it may have been just over Leon, if you're asking <laughs> me. Well, I, if, if, I mean, those things happen so quickly and people sort of, you need your second vision. It's just as if you take a photo or something. It's, to me, I was in the stadium that day and I, I thought, oh, that's marginal. Well, these days, you know, Sticks, it seems to me that they, they just throw the book away. They, they pay a mark of it's two feet over the line now they, uh, just yeah. to keep the ball, just to keep the game moving, I think. 
well, there's a few more umpires and officiating out there than there was in those days too. So they've got a lot more eyes on it. They've got cameras everywhere. So it may have been picked up. I'm not sure. But uh, we'll take it. It's, it's haunted the Collingwood people, but we love it at Carlton. Well, so, Wayne, Wayne, of course, was a long-serving member of the Visi Board staff and uh, uh, a very yeah. loyal man to uh, Dick Pratt. And uh, he did a wonderful job there, uh, uh, Wayne Arms. Yeah, Arms is Arms is been there to this day, and uh, he's going well. We hope to see him around Carlton a bit more, but it's been hard to do anything in the last couple of years, as we know. So great, great Carlton man to go. Great man to be with. Uh, after a game, enjoyed a drink. And, as we all did in those days. Sticks, uh, Leon asked the question before you, how Carlton were very strong and, you know, you didn't come over for a while. And one of the reasons Carlton was strong and why they ultimately toppled was they were fantastic when, you know, footy was, you know, like the country was run democratically and not become a socialist state. You know, when they closed the avenues of uh, private enterprise <clears throat> with the advent of the draft and so forth, all of a sudden, the Carlton heavyweights and the bankroll, <coughs> pardon me, and the, uh, you know, when money couldn't uh, determine the outcome, you know, Carlton took a while to recover from that because everything, you know, the Elliots and the Pratts felt, well, everything's for sale, we can buy it. But those rules changed dramatically. And as a consequence, you know, the game became even and they couldn't all of a sudden go over their checkbooks and buy the Kernahans and the Bradleys. But then they hit that wall. And once again, you came to the rescue, you took over the presidency when Dick, unfortunately, had to deal with the Australian Competition and Consumer Watchdog. That must have been a... Well, of course, I mean, the salary caps hit us in 2002, at the end of 2002, for the 2003 season. And, you know, we, we played, in a, we won in 95. Um, a lot of us old blokes retired in 97. And we, we played in grand final again in 99. And then we... Really had a few senior blokes just finishing their careers for Craig Bradley and, and Aaron Hamill and Peter Dunn. A, few, a lot of guys, I can't remember all their names now, but uh, Dennis Pagan came in and sort of, you know, um, when that hit a million dollars in those days when clubs turnover was nothing like they are now and clubs struggled to make money, our membership would have been very small in those days. Now our memberships are, you know, some clubs have got over 100,000, we've got 80 odd thousand now ourselves. So, very different then. It really put the shackles on. But we got Dick Pratt back. They bad years. Uh, Dennis got caught with a young side. We, we got denied the draft for two years. He couldn't rebuild. And then uh, Brett Ratton came in and, and Dick Pratt came to the club. And, you know, we, we played finals four or five years. And unfortunately, Dick, we got Dick back in 2007. It was great for a couple of years. He, we went, went overseas to Malaysia for a week with him and flew in his jet, which was just... You know, great, great times and great sitting with a great man. We really got to know him really well in those times. And when he got back, he actually didn't get – he went straight to hospital and didn't get out. And he passed away in April in 2009. So I was his vice president and he asked me to do the job. And not that I really needed it, but I, I did the job for a while. And, you know, those things are all love jobs and they're all service to the club. And um, I, I wish Dick had been alive to do it because he, he was enjoying himself and – you know, we weren't a bad side for a few of those years. We just couldn't get the ultimate done. We played finals four or five, but couldn't get there in the end. Oh, Sticks, you did a wonderful job, and you really grew into the job. And I think at the end, <laughs> I don't know, Gouda Show took over. I think you would have liked, liked to have stayed in the job, wouldn't you not? 
pick up pointers off you, Sam, but I, I wasn't an orator to your level by a long, long way. <laughs> but if you keep the if you keep the speeches short, sharp, and get off, that's probably a quick speech is a good speech. I always took that theory in. Uh, you were a wonderful you're a wonderful servant of the club. There's no doubt about that. And what do you views on Voss's appointment now? Yeah, no, no. Look, I'm happy. I mean, there's a bit of time of unrest, uh, change of presidency, um, change of board members, change of coach, change of CEO. I mean, Kane Little did not much wrong, but to get a bloke like Brian Cook in, um, you know, it was a bit of a stabilising thing for the club, I think, and he's, he's obviously thought of pretty highly throughout the AFL. Um, and to get a guy like Michael Voss, I think Peter and I tried to get him to the club after he finished playing many years ago. Um, to come and sort of learn under Dennis Pagan those days, many years ago. But um, he, he ended up, he was going to go to West Coast. And, of course, Lee Matthews, um, Lee Matthews finished at, uh, the lines and they hired him straight away. So he went straight into coaching. Um, so I reckon he's going to be really good the second time around. He's been at you know, Port for eight years. He's a really good bloke, boss. He went hard. I mean, people... We don't forget, but people might forget how good that bloke was. In three flags, he's a dominating presence, a huge, hard player on the ground. And with our new footy director, Greg Williams, uh, Sam, um, you couldn't get too hard a bloke from the film. So I look right. forward to Voxy, um, you know, being, it'd be great to have a 10 year coach at Carlton's about time we had a long term one. I hope Voxy's the one. We'll be, everyone's going to be right behind him, that's for sure. Six guys, thank you back to South Australia again. Um, Motley, Robram, Knuckles Curley, there's some great players never came across the border and played here. Now, we yeah. Victorians being very, I mean, we all, I suppose, we all think about ourselves as being important, but the composition in South Australia and the people that are loyal to South Australia over the period have been amazing. Um, so, the, I, I don't know, the, those three players are all different sorts of players. I'm talking about Motley Senior, of course. Uh, and yep. Robram was the, Robram's the one that uh, everybody seems to say that he would have walked into AFL footy. Yeah, he was a superstar, Barry Robram, and I think he's a legend of the AFL, so that's, his, I think, the only, my, I hope I'm right here, one of the few, he's one of the few South Australians in the legend level for the Hall of Fame, and what a star he was. He took hangers every week, he played in the middle, he could jump on, take screamers all around the ground, Beautiful in tight, beautifully outside, kicked the left and right well. One of the great, one of the great players, absolute gentleman he was too. And I, I think that was that era just before we went, the, the era, you know, the decades before where he played. Where everyone just played in South Australia. That was home. Victoria was another state and everyone was happy to be home because all those leagues were pretty strong, certainly through the 60s, 70s and 80s. And, you know, Knuckles Curley back in the early days and Barry Robber and Russell Ebert, another one who, he did go to um, North Melbourne for a year, but at the wrong time of his career, probably he's an absolute superstar. Robert and Eve, but were, you know, those guys just before I started playing were just legends of South Australia. So they, they would, at their prime, they would have walked into any side, I'm sure. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned his name, Russell Ebert uh, Sticks. I know he's uh, currently enduring uh, ill health. Uh, what's the latest update on him at the moment? Yeah, I spoke to Brattles a month or so again. I think he's being treated and, you know, he's, he's pretty crook apparently. So we wish him all the best and hopefully that gets that's, gets better if possible. But um, he's fairly sick. There's no doubt about that. Uh, are you still interested in – oh, interested. That's the wrong word. Vitally interested in the Carlton Footy Club or 
you're one of those that sort of did your thing in all those different categories, player, captain, president, and then walked away saying, well, that's my job there? Or do you still stay very, very much involved? No, no, look, I'm not involved officially, but I sit there on weekends watching us and my kids think I'm a psychopath now watching from the TV and... (laughs) I don't go. I don't go to work. I go now and again with mates and have a few beers and get invited now and again, and and that's great. But I enjoy watching the Blues as much as I ever have, and even, we haven't we haven't been great for a while. So we're hoping that can end in the near Sticks future. Still- I'm still as invested in watching us as I ever was, and uh, I want our blokes to. I just want these new blokes to write some new history for the footy club. So I've got a mate who's on the board there now, uh, Greg Williams. I've, I've got a lot of mates down there still everywhere, but. Um, Dues was down there in the footy director job, so that's good. So Bear and I, Adrian Gleeson, and that mate who, was, who helped me throughout my time at Carlton um, on the board, um, will be will be nice sitting behind Diesel and uh, watching with interest. So I hope the boys get it right and we can win a few games and play finals and and get better. And well, it's getting very close to lunchtime here on Thursday, and uh, that means that Sam Kekovich will be just. Going for that bottle of uh, Michelin print. It'll be I've got just, it open. Uh, it's open. Oh, oh I'm airy. Not, I'm just a candidate. You got me. The Michelin Leon, print. Leon, I reckon there's no doubt he's already had a go at that. No <laughs> I want to ask him one last question, Leon, before we let him go. Yeah. I want to know on record, and I've had a number of people I've asked that are qualified at Carlton, and they're within two or three. What's the most amount of words that Bruce Dool has ever said in one year? <laughs> well, <laughs> he rang me once when I was a kid trying to get me to Carlton. I'm not kidding you. I had to do all the talking. <laughs> he said, Bruce Dool, <laughs> you're a... He didn't it. was unbelievable. I had to do oh, How are you, Bruce? <laughs> I just sort of finished the lead off and finished the conversation. So I was going to... <laughs> that bloke, that bloke, I had one year with him and he, he was 36 his last year. We lost that grand final to Hawthorne and I don't think he got beaten all year. Dunstall kicked six in the granny, but it wasn't his fault. And uh, he was still a legend at 36. And I had the pleasure of that year going on the footy trip with him and sitting with him on the way there and on the way back. And I'll never forget, he didn't say much, but, but just one of great memories sitting having to be with Bruce on the way. On the way there, on the way back from London. Yeah, it would be, it would be. Uh, six, you're an ornament of the game. Uh, you've done a lot and uh, uh, we appreciate you being with us on uh, Sport and Life. Uh, good luck to you in the future and uh, we'll catch up to you on our golf course real soon. Always a beer. Gentlemen and, and great mentors to all of us young blokes in football and you're still doing it. And uh, what two better drinks blokes to have a drink with, I don't know. <laughs> Take care uh, yeah, see you, Snick. You're a gentleman. Uh, Stephen Kernahan on Sport and Life. Thanks, Sticks. Thanks, lads. You're gentlemen. Uh, you're a superstar, Sticks. Outstanding. <laughs> see you, buddy. Hey, uh, can you do the intro again, Leon, and just say brought to you by Mitchell and Wines? Yep. Yeah, we'll see you later, gentlemen. I'll talk to you later. Okay. See you, Sam. See you, Dan. See you, mate. You ready? Yep. Good morning and welcome to Sport and Life with Sam Kekovich and Leon Wigo with the compliments of Mitchell and Wines. Perfect. Sorry. Okay. Oh, mate.